welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. And uh, this all came out of a series. This is the last one in the series that came from that song, Do You See What I See, the Christmas song. And we've looked at those thoughts about seeing, hearing and knowing uh, how they relate to us. And I want to conclude uh, this with that final thought from the last stanza, because in this last stanza of the song, it's the king who speaks. It's not the wind, it's not the stars, it's not the boy, it's the king. And I think it's important that we grab a hold of this. And, and while the song is a nice Christmas song, there are some great truths that we can gather from it. And I want to look at those. And so uh, the first thing we find in this is the king is speaking and his first comment is, are you listening? Are you listening? And I think it's imperative we, we catch the heartbeat of the priority of life for us on earth is, are we listening to God? Are we hearing what the king says? We should be praying that we can hear what God says. He says, listen. And then he says to pray. Then he says again to listen. And then he tells us the message and to take it. So I want to look at that. We need to come to a revelation that we need to hear what God says. It's not natural for us to want to hear God. The only way we learn to hear God is to is someone trains us, someone teaches us, someone takes us on a journey. But somewhere along the track, we have to come to a personal revelation that I need to be hearing God speak into my life. I am not God. I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I would pray that whenever I preach the Word of God in your hearing, you would hear the Spirit of God speak to you. It might only be one or two points out of the message. It might actually be a a point that inspires a thought that takes you down a rabbit warren to another thought which changes your life. That often is God speaking. So I'm just aware that we need to have a revelation that God is everything we need and we need to listen to Him. In John 15, it says this in verses 1 to 5. I, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. There's so much in this that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because the word which I've spoken to you abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. See, we might know that in our mind, but it has to come to a revelation to our heart and our spirit that without him, we can do nothing. See, we can look at our our learning, our skill, our capacities, our natural abilities, our, our charisma or lack of it, our finance or lack of it, but everything we need starts with him. Without him, without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. It's a revelation to our lives. It's not an academic understanding. It's a revelation that the Spirit takes that thought and drops it into our spirit and our heart that we need to pray so we can know that we need to listen to God. It's not our wisdom. It's not our intelligence. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
Any parent knows somewhere along the track, a kid thinks they know everything. And as they go through into their teenage years, they even know more than everything. And they get to that place where they know it all. And I, I actually think we should have a teenager's prime minister because they would know everything. You know, no, I don't. Uh, but there's a natural tendency in our life to think we have it all together, to think we know it all. I do it myself, Daddy. You know, I do it myself. You try and teach kids and they say, no, no, I do it myself. And they draw. And you've watched kids draw with a crayon. You've seen them draw with a felt pen. It doesn't stay on the, the lines on the picture. In fact, it doesn't even stay on the page. It goes onto the table. It goes onto the floor. It goes onto the vinyl or the tiles or, or, the, or the carpet. It does not stay. I do it myself and they do a terrible job of it. And we sit there and go, oh, that's beautiful. No, it's not. It's not beautiful. It's good and beautiful in the fact that they're learning. But no, they cannot do it themselves. But we let them mess up because that's how you learn. And God does the same. He gives us free will and knows we're going to mess up. But he hopes that we will learn in the journey. The wisdom I need does not come from the natural. It comes from the spiritual. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, 16. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he, he, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? Now listen carefully, the last part of this verse. But we have the mind of Christ. So many people don't believe that. So many Christians don't believe that. I actually believe that I have the mind of Christ. Do I have it always right? No. But everything within me is trying to make sure my spirit is listening to his spirit. So my mind hears what his mind is saying to me. That my mind can cap captivate and grab a hold of the mind of Christ within me. I make a decision. I truly believe. I look at a circumstance. I trust God with it. I pray if it's biblically based and I find the Spirit of God confirms it, I make a decision. I believe that decision is based in the mind of Christ. Have I been wrong sometimes? Yes. Have I been right sometimes? Yes. But the more I do it, the more I find out I'm getting more right. I'm being more sensitive to the mind of Christ. I'm equipping myself to know. Because if we don't exercise ourselves to godliness, we won't know. So we've got to start. We have the mind of Christ. In fact, to know that we need God... To know that without him we can do nothing, that revelation is a gift from God. You didn't get it yourself. It was a gift of God. When the revelation of the Spirit of God touched your heart and you said, I can't do this. I need God. That is a gift. It's called the gift of faith. God gifts you faith to believe in him. God gives you faith to commit your life to him when you get saved. See, I did not find God. He found me, always knew where I was, and he was constantly calling me. And at the right moment, he gave me a gift of faith to believe him. I still had to choose it, but he gave me the ability. He gave me this gift. God, I can't do life without you. That revelation has to come to our life. And so we have to listen to what he says. And the reason we need to listen is to know that we need him and that we need to listen. 
say that again. The reason we need to listen is to know that we need him and we need to listen to him. So the song starts, listen. Get to know me and know that you need me. Listen. Listen twice. And I actually think it's a great pattern for our life. I want to listen. And what are we listening for? To hear God. And this is what the king says. Having listened to God, having heard the revelation in my spirit that I need God, I then seek his face to hear what he has to say. And this is what he says. Pray for peace, people, everywhere. That's what the words of the song say. The first directive, pray for peace, people, everywhere. It's an interesting phrase. And I want to look at that in two aspects. Firstly, it is to pray for peace. We are called to pray. It actually says in Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Israel is an amazing country that defends itself and then gets accused of being aggressive. Israel defends itself from hundreds and hundreds of rocket attacks. And at the moment it makes one defensive move, people start accusing Israel of being... Now, look, I'm not saying they're perfect. They're certainly not. God never expected them to be perfect and never expected us to be perfect. But they're defending themselves. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Luke, at the birth of Christ, the angel said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill toward man. We should be praying that the revelation of God's heart toward humanity is a revelation of peace. We should be praying for peace. In Colossians 1, it says this in verse 19, that it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and for him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. The message of the cross is a message of peace and we should be praying that that message becomes known all over the world that God is not angry at humanity. Jonathan Edwards preached one message that they really made famous and sadly that was not the heartbeat of his message. If you've ever read this book, it's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Well, that's not the Bible God. Someone decided to make that message famous, not Jonathan Edwards. He's talking about judgment at the end, not life right now. And people decide to make this message that God's angry with people. That is not the heartbeat of God. Jesus' blood is a message of the heart of God that God wants to make peace with us. So we should pray that people would be at peace with God. We should pray that God would give us opportunities, open doors, challenges, and, and ways to help people know that the heartbeat of God is a heartbeat of peace. Peace. See, praying is imperative to our walk with God. In its simplest and most powerful form, prayer is communicating with God. And I do mean with God, not at Him. Prayer is not primarily at God. But with him. Most times, prayer is so that we can catch the heart and the mind and the thoughts of God in every situation and on any matter. Luke 5:33, it was also recorded in Matthew 9:15 and Mark 2:20. Then they said to him, the religious people, why do you why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? Likewise, those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. 
And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? For the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then in those days they will fast. Or they'll fast in those days. See, the reason I've included this is because we're approaching a week of prayer and fasting. There's a lot of miscommunication about fasting, about its purpose and its function. And when we look at those accounts, they all say the same thing. It's all about the need for fasting because Jesus is no longer physically here. He's not physically here. It's by Spirit, Holy Spirit, he lives in us, no question about that. See, but when Jesus was with them physically, they could easily hear what he said. They could easily follow him where he went. They could easily do what they have to, get, have to do. They didn't need to go on a fast to hear him. He was there. He would tell them what was to be done. Almost nothing Jesus did required any deep level of spirituality by the disciples to hear his direction. Let me say that again. Almost nothing that Jesus said needed any deep spirituality by the disciples to understand what Je- or to know what Jesus said. Understanding is a little bit different, but to know what he said. He was there. They could see his face. They could get the communication of the tone of his voice. They've seen his actions. They've walked with him physically. They, they didn't need any great spiritual revelation. He was there. They could hear him. But there comes a day when Jesus said it very clearly that the whole purpose of prayer and fasting was that after he had gone, that we could learn to stay tuned in to what Jesus would say. See, fasting is, prayer and fasting is about hearing what God is saying, hearing his direction, listening well, and tuning in. See, some people think fasting is like we're trying to control God. I'm going on a hunger strike till God gives me what I want. You'll die. (laughs) Might make it to heaven. You might not. But most people won't last long on that kind of hunger strike. They lose their spirituality straight soon as they really get hungry. That's not what fasting is for. It's so we might learn better to hear what God would have us do. So we stop eating, stop TV, turn your iPhones off, turn Facebook off, turn Twitter off. Turn YouTube off. Take time that you would spend on those things to spend praying, reading your Bible, talking to God, listening to God, praying, communicating with Him. See, prayer and fasting is completely opposite to that carnal way of thinking. Prayer with or without fasting is about developing the mind of Christ in us and having an ear to hear what He is saying. It's about listening. So we need to listen to know that we need to pray and we need to pray and pray and fast to listen properly, almost cyclic. And when we've learned of our need and then responded by prayer and fasting or prayer, we hear God better because we've prepared our hearts to listen so we can then do something with what we hear. See, God just doesn't give you nice platitudes and nice words. God gives you stuff to use, to put into practice, either to transform your life or to transform the world in which you live. When we've learned that, we need to do something with it. See, the song tells us what, what happens after we've listened twice and prayed. It says this, The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light.
That's the message that we receive. It's the message we are to carry into a world. Goodness and light. The world needs to know the goodness and light of God. They know to know the goodness and light of Jesus. This child, Jesus, he will bring goodness and light. And each one of us is called to bring that goodness and that light to our world, to the world in which we live, our, our community, our family, our workplaces, our homes, our neighborhood. Goodness, excellent kindness, graciousness, generosity, big heartedness. Genesis 20, 21 to 23 gives a little clarification. And I'll read it from the, the, the Passion, uh, paraphrase, translation, transliteration, whatever you want to call it. Or some people call it a version. Uh, John 20, 21 to 23. Jesus repeated his greeting. So he's saying it again. He's saying again. He's repeating it. What's the greeting? Peace. What's the greeting? Peace. Peace. Not you're in trouble. Sometimes we come to God like we're in trouble. Whoever feels like when you start to go to God in prayer, it's like going to the principal's office. It's not what it's supposed to be. The message is peace. He repeated the greeting, peace to you. Come to God with courage, with hope, with peace. And he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Goodness and light. Goodness and light. And taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. This, this, God wants to declare people not guilty. He wants peace with humanity. He wants, he's made a way for that. And our part is like Jesus. He came to bring goodness and light. Our part is to bring goodness and light. Our part is to bring people the revelation or the knowledge. At least they need to hear the message of goodness and light, that God wants peace with them. So here's this declaration of peace. The command to go into the world like Jesus has done. The definition of the message and the purpose of the message to bring peace to our world. I love the musos and singers to come. I'm not planning on preaching long. We're nearly done. God's attitude toward humanity has, was, is, will always be the desire for peace. To bring goodness and light to a world of darkness and evil. I send you to preach forgiveness of sins. Preach it, declare it, proclaim it. His attitude is for peace. God has chosen, listen, God has chosen humans to convey this message. See, God came in the form of Jesus. Listen, Jesus came fully God and listen, fully man. A man who is God brought us the message of peace and has commissioned us to take this same message, to convey the passion of God to one another that has been demonstrated through the life of Jesus Christ. So here's that second aspect of the line, pray for peace people everywhere. See, I'm going to put the comma in a different place. I'm not going to say pray for peace, comma, people everywhere. I'm going to say pray for brackets, inverted commas, peace people everywhere. 
See, maybe it's also about people who are people who bring peace. Peace people going everywhere. Not, not just peace, but people of peace bringing the message of peace to a humanity who needs goodness and light, who needs to know that God's desire is peace. In fact, Paul declares this very clearly in Romans 10, 15. Now, I don't think it'll come up on the screen. How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace. Gospel, the good news. The whole gospel is about peace. It's about peace with God for all mankind, all humanity. That's the heart of God. That's His heartbeat toward us all. When the King speaks, He speaks peace. Peace. And when I looked at my picture that I'd taken for the lion there, it doesn't look very peaceful. But if the lion's roaring like that and he's on your side, that's peace. That's peace. I remember little kids, you know, we'd be boasting about our dads. You know, if there's real trouble, tell people, your dad's a policeman. That brings you peace and scares them off. Well, when he roars, when he speaks, we take peace to people and the enemy trembles. The enemy, the devil is so scared that Christians will actually grab a hold of this message of the gospel of peace and go into all the world. That we will actually fulfill the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples who are people who understand peace with God. People who've taken a hold of peace with God and then having taken a hold of peace with God, want everybody else to know this wonderful peace that God has for us. The message of peace is the message of forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin. It's explained in the Gospels, the letters to the churches, that it's only through repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord that we can obtain what was previously unobtainable, forgiveness of sins and peace with God. The whole purpose of the message delivered is that we can have peace with God through forgiveness of sin, that purchased by Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and his soon coming return. That's the message of the king. When the king speaks, it's peace. 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 No, I'm not angry. I'm not angry with you. I'm angry at sin, but I'm not angry at you. I want peace with you. I want to restore you. I want to recover you. I want to make you whole again. It may not be easy in this life, but I want to be with you. I want to walk with you so you have peace in every circumstance. That the torment of your mind will be peaced because of the peace of God. That His Word, His power, His presence will give you peace in the midst of turmoil. When the whole world is caving in on you, you would find peace in the storm. And you would start to walk on the water. We get that because we have peace with God. That's only the first part, church. Second part is we ought to be peace people going everywhere with this gospel of peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. You are not angry with humanity. Yes, there is righteousness and there's a judgment. and The Spirit convicts, but the whole purpose is to bring a transformation. The whole purpose is to bring people to repentance. <coughs> 
that they might know the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding. How could a God who is so holy love us who fall short so often and so much? Through Jesus. Through what he did on the cross when he shed his blood. And he said, Father, I'm paying the price. Forgive them. They don't even really know what they're doing. Father, this is about peace. I've come to bring goodness and light to humanity. I've come to reveal to them that you're not angry with them. As much as some people want to make that out, it's not true. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. A God who relents from doing harm. It's written right throughout the Old Testament. Father, your word declares it. Your desire is peace with people and peace people going everywhere, declaring that message. Christians, I want to ask you the question. In this attitude of prayer and humility of our hearts, if you've received this peace, I pray there would be a challenge to your heart. How am I taking this peace? How am I being a peace person everywhere I go? Pray for peace, people everywhere. Lord, I pray that your people would be peace people. And they would go everywhere with the gospel of peace. And that people might hear this amazing message of love. This message of grace, this message of forgiveness, this message of peace, this message of goodness and light. Peace people everywhere. Being salt and light in our world. In Jesus' name.